0: Are you pursuing a natural lifestyle for yourself and your family? Are you concerned about the standard American diet and options available for healthcare? Are you curious about herbs, for health, or already practice home herbalism? You've come to the right place. My mom, Naomi Kilbrick, is a Christian clinical herbalist and owner of Lord Chi She teaches simple ways to live in a more healthy way and to work with plants to promote and restore health. Welcome to the Family Herbalism Podcast. Welcome back to the Family Herbalism Podcast and to Herba Remedium students. I'm so glad you're here. Last week, we talked about those frequent flyer illnesses, the common colds and the stomach flus, and we talked about some common home remedies that we can use to help us get through these illnesses. But the thing is, is that we know a lot of those illnesses as annoying as they can be, and as much as they can interrupt our normal routines and make things challenging for us, We know ultimately that after a few days it will be over and if we can suck it up and drink our tea that it will all be good, right? But there are situations that can be a bit more serious where illnesses are prolonged or complicated by previous health conditions and where the virus may not be well understood. It might be new. This is something that we've had to face in the past few years. But in the past as well, our current generation is dealing with COVID, and this has been um, a big challenge to a lot of people. And it has posed um, good reasons for being concerned. And anytime that we face something that's unfamiliar, anytime that we have a history of more serious health conditions, this can pose a problem. And um, just, you know, it can be a reason for increased stress, as well as uh, it can pose practical problems and make things more challenging in, in how we address and recover from these illnesses. Um, even if it's not a, a virus that many people are concerned about, it can be a respiratory illness that perhaps is more familiar, but can still be more serious when one of my kids was a couple of years old we had a common cold that went through the family and then for whatever reason he developed bronchitis as a result and as scary as that was seeing your 2 year old you know almost gasping for breath what resulted as a consequence was years of cough variant asthma and it took a long time to recover from that and heal and then when I was in my 20s, we had another common cold go through, and I ended up with walking pneumonia, and I couldn't sleep lying down in my bed for weeks afterwards. And so, of course, my sleep quality was not very good. Um, my husband, when he was in his early 20s, he was exposed to high levels of cedar particles at work. He's a carpenter. And cedar is known for triggering allergies, and he was one of those lucky ones that developed an allergy as a result of being in a closed environment with this cedar being cut. And he developed this allergy that induces flares of wheezing asthma anytime he's exposed. And it can be quite serious. Um, And then when I was in my early 30s, I developed a bad case of thrush because of dealing with Lyme disease, which was a separate issue. Um, and I wrote it off to a virus. Like, I just, it's just a sore throat, right? It's just a um, I'll just get over it. It'll be no big deal. But then after a couple of weeks, I was like, wait a second, I still have a sore throat. This is a problem, right? Well, because that thrush went untreated, unaddressed, I ended up causing my throat to develop scar tissue trying to heal it and now anytime that I have an illness the last few days inevitably involve me trying very hard not to cough because that exact same area of my throat is super irritated. So these are all examples of bacterial illnesses just different challenges that can kind of tag along behind common viruses and Yes, sometimes we can have these illnesses come out of the blue, but oftentimes they come right after our bodies are recovering from these viruses. Like we never completely got over them. And I'll talk a little bit about why that happens, but I just want to bring up the point that this is something that many of you are familiar with. This is, there are a lot of families out there who experience stories like this. Um, and experiences where someone that you love experienced an upper respiratory infection or inflammation that became more complicated than a straightforward cold. And so we may joke around about our tolerance for handling a little cold. Um, You know, there might be memes that are passed back and forth that we joke about, but these can be quite serious and So I think that it's important that as home herbalists that we have the resources on hand and a little bit of extra knowledge in preparation for taking care of some of these potentially more concerning situations. Now, remember that nothing I share here is intended to be used as replacement for medical care. So if you have a more serious health condition, it's important that you keep your healthcare team in the loop when you are sick, and in many cases, patients will be sent home with the typical advice to rest, drink water, take your Tylenol, take your regularly prescribed medications, and having these additional tools on hand can be very instrumental in recovering faster. So herbalism, medical care, not exclusive of each other, they both can be integral to the healing process. We do know that uh, from advice for medical, that medical providers can be limited um, because many upper respiratory tract infections are due to viruses and there are few medications available that can help someone through a virus. Antibacterials are not going to do any good. And so since there are few remedies and sit or few medications, I should say, and because most medical care providers are not familiar with things like vitamin therapy and herbal remedies, You know more of the traditional home remedies, they're not gonna be able to give useful advice with things that they're not familiar with. So go ahead, see your doctor for labs, confirm what you're dealing with, make sure you're taking the right meds and that the symptoms that you're experiencing are within safe limits and also build up your toolbox of resources. Collect your herbs. These things are going to help you stay healthy and recover more quickly if you do get sick. So even if the virus is unfamiliar, even if you do have a pre-existing health condition, you're still going to be able to support yourself. So that's what we're really focusing in on today. If you have not listened to last week's episode on common cold and flu care, I do recommend starting there because everything that I list listed for practical steps and herbs in that episode are also applicable here, and there will probably be some overlap as I repeat myself going through certain points, Um, but this episode is intended to be the follow-up step, the next step after all of the things from the last episode um, for when common cold and flu care is not quite enough to help you get through this difficult season. The key difference is that Either the virus is a hard hitter, or your immune system needs help planning its attack, or the immune system or the organ tissues that are involved are under-functioning because of previous damage. This is what sets this current issue that you're experiencing aside from a regular cold or flu. Either it's a really hard hitter, it's a really strong virus, or bacterial infection, or your immune system um, just needs help figuring out what to do with it because it's an unfamiliar one or because your organs are under functioning. They're needing some extra toning and some nutrition. The precise protocol that you follow, the wellness plan that you create, um, will have to depend on your particular situation. And the information that I provide to you today is not going to cover all of those possibilities. And so this, my goal here is to give you leads, little red threads from which to follow and do your own research. Um, And possibly it may help to work with a clinical herbalist to help you develop a complete and direct approach for you. But for the sake of our generalized conversation today, let's assume it's kind of a combination of the two. Maybe your lungs are not in good health and your immune system needs support. So we wanna look at tools that are gonna address both of these concerns. I always like to start with the home remedies first, the practical, lifestyle, nutritional, even emotional approaches first. These are often free or inexpensive, easy to access. They may be familiar to to you already. Um, They're usually easy to use or to apply. And this is much more practical than just jumping into Chinese herbs with unfamiliar names or complicated recipes that you probably don't have time to create anyway um, or energy to create if you're not feeling good. If someone in your household is experiencing a prolonged virus or more severe symptoms, these are a few steps that you can take to help them feel better faster. And don't forget to check out the tips that are also included in last week's episode because those will be supportive as well. Okay, so for physical treatments, things that you can do to the body, to the environment, number one, massaging the back. Okay, massage serves a number of purposes. It directly interacts with the nerves in the area that is being massaged. So if your diaphragm is spasming, which is pretty common with extra mucus buildup and uh, inflammation, then the massage is going to help to calm down the nerves around the diaphragm. It will also help to tone the lungs. People who have COPD are often encouraged to get regular massages because it, it does help to tone the lungs themselves. It also helps to promote blood and lymphatic flow around the area. And of course, it's also very soothing and relaxing to someone when they're stressed because they're not feeling very good. So a gentle massage can be really great. And it's also a useful way to apply topical remedies. And we'll get to some of those options in a little bit. But You can bring in some essential oils that are great for respiratory function, dilute them in some carrier oils, massage oil. And while you're getting a massage or while you're giving your child a massage, you can also be giving them some herbs at the same time. Now, the nerves along the upper spine are connected to each of the tissues that branch out from it, obviously. So uh, from the diaphragm up, all the nerves that are directly influencing those organs are connected to the upper part of the spine. And if there is inflammation along any of these nerves, which again, inflammation is kind of kit and caboodle with different viruses, these nerves will stop transmitting messages effectively. And then you can result, you can cause, um, this can cause pooled moisture, uh, spasmodic coughing, Um, increased stress, emotional stress. And there are simple exercises that can release these nerves and help to reduce the inflammation around those nerves. And these are all based on the work of Stephen Porges around the polyvagal nerve theory. And I'm going to attach a link to a video that demonstrates an example of these exercises, which uh, one of these exercises, which is known as the basic exercise. It's super simple, and it can be done in a lying down position, and it's so simple that even a child can do it. So if you are listening to this on the podcast, I recommend going to YouTube and searching for The Basic Exercise by Stephen Porges. You can also look up polyvagal exercises, and you're looking for the eye exercise that they demonstrate, which will help to unblock those pathways. A third exercise that you can do or a physical treatment for a more severe respiratory infection is focusing on your breath. So a couple of times a day, deeply exhaling so that you are breathing out more than you are inhaling will actually help to loosen up phlegm and fluid that is trapped in the lower part of your lungs. Often, this fluid contains viral, um, bacteria, viral material, bacterial stuff. Um, it's it's getting congested in there, and because we don't usually breathe to full capacity, it can congregate, get stuck in the lower part of the lungs. So, deeply exhaling forces your diaphragm to push that stuff up and out, and it will help your breathing to actually release a lot of those pathogens that are stuck and help you to recover faster. And then for some people, humidity helps them to breathe easier. Uh, For others, dry air helps them and then sometimes alternating back and forth between the two. So you might like to try sitting in a steamy bathroom for several minutes and then maybe sitting on your porch in the cool, crisp outdoors if it's winter Um, and alternating those can be super helpful, but paying attention to what level of humidity feels best to you. Now, as far as nutrition goes, again, a lot of the things that we talked about for common cold and flu care are gonna be applicable here really our bodies need a wide range of nutrients to be healthy. And uh, while we can with great intentionality, get a lot of these nutrients from food, that's really hard to do when you're not feeling good. And of course, this is, um, you know, there are certain practices that are really important for nutrition, like avoiding sugar, uh, while you're sick, maybe avoiding dairy Um, And drinking lots of broth and eating simple cooked foods and things like that are all really important. Um, But there are some extra things you can do to really focus on supporting your lungs. So one of them in particular is focusing on antioxidant-rich foods. Um, So when we are sick, we basically are generating an oxidative process in our body where we're not able to detox and eliminate used cells and uh, toxins like the viral material that is just kind of sitting there and hanging out. Our detox pathways are not functioning correctly. So eating foods that are rich in antioxidants are really helpful. Bringing in uh, lots of fruit and even juicing it can be very supportive. Snacking on nuts and seeds, eating fatty fish regularly, all of these will support antioxidant intake. And then if you are still struggling to get well, I do encourage you to look into the following nutrients that can be specifically helpful for uh, damaged lungs, lungs that are really struggling to get well. Vitamins C, D, A, E, and K all are really important. Zinc which we often take for viral illnesses, does help to reduce viral replication and actually aids the absorption of phytochemicals into the cells. So that's a great one to be taking in supplement form if you are not well. Omega-3s are a super anti-inflammatory antioxidant. So getting those in is, you know, through fatty fish and nuts and seeds is great, but possibly taking a supplement as well. Magnesium. Again, we're talking about diaphragm function and massage is great. Essential oils are great, but magnesium is a nutrient that we need for all kinds of functions in the body, and it can really help to reduce muscle tension and which often happens around the diaphragm. So magnesium oil can be super helpful. And then CoQ10, which is an antioxidant enzyme that we naturally produce Um, It supports energy production and numerous functions in the body, including respiratory functions and cardiovascular-related functions, which means that it can help with the feeling of breathlessness that is common with certain viruses. And again, our bodies naturally produce it, but sometimes taking it in higher quantities in supplement form can be super helpful. And because that's a lot of nutrients, I simplified my recommendations to five supplements, that combine these nutrients in more absorbable ways. And I have linked specific examples in the student outline for herb over medium students. But basically what we're looking for is a supplement that has D3 with K2, a cod liver oil supplement, which will naturally have vitamins A and E along with the omega-3s, a topical magnesium oil, and a CoQ10 supplement that has D-limonene and a vitamin C powder, which is buffered with zinc and other minerals to make it more absorbable and less irritating to the stomach in such high amounts. Now, in the last episode, I offered my top 10 herbs for immune support through common viruses. And while these do address some more severe respiratory symptoms, if you have a pre-existing respiratory condition or your expression of this virus happens to be more severe, and you may want to create a blend of herbs that is more fine-tuned to your expression of this virus to support your particular body and increase the efficiency of your immune system, So in addition to, not in replacement of those 10 herbs, these herbs I'm gonna share with you are examples of those that I would recommend that you look into. And remember that while all of these herbs are generally safe for most people for an acute situation like a respiratory virus, including school age kids, some of them are not appropriate for those who are pregnant or taking certain medications like blood thinners. So always do your research before beginning the use of any herbs, especially on a regular basis. Similar to cold and flu care, taking your herbs in tea form is often very effective for respiratory needs. They will warm your body from the inside out, relax muscles um, almost through direct contact, especially if you're inhaling the steam and the evaporating oils off the mug. Having tinctures can also be great, especially for fast acting relief where the nerves are implicated. And if you're not feeling well, it can also mean the difference between taking the herbs and not. If you're not feeling great and you're like, I can hardly get off the couch, you're probably not going to make yourself a cup of tea, which is why making a larger batch can be helpful so that you can do it once and be done. And also having your herbs available in tincture form so they're just ready to apply, just take a few drops and you're good to go. Primarily, the actions you're looking for in choosing herbs for this purpose for advanced respiratory care are antispasmodics, astringents, expectorants, which can be either stimulating or relaxing, depending on the need that you have, relaxing nervines, and immunomodulators. All right, I have 15 herbs for you. The first is nettle. Nettle is an astringent, it's expectorant, anti-inflammatory, and a tonic to many systems of the body. But what I really like about nettle for the lungs is that it activates the oxygen receptors, so it um, helps your uh, your It helps your lungs to be able to absorb the oxygen more efficiently to make better use of the oxygen that you're inhaling. Most of the time when we have a respiratory infection, there is inflammation of those receptors. There is also blockage. Certain viruses can block them. Mucus can block them. And nettle helps to stimulate those receptors so that the oxygen can connect and bind and actually be useful. And the symptoms that are associated with that are shortness of breath and wheezing. So if either of those are the case for you, then metal can be super supportive. Next is red clover. Red clover does work on the blood and on the lymph. It helps to move them, thin them out. It is a bronchodilator. It is an expectorant and antispasmodic. And it can reduce a lot of the cold symptoms that we might experience including excess mucus and irritated coughs. Number three is Japanese knotweed. This is not as commonly used. Um, Most people who are familiar with it will think of Lyme disease because the root uh, was popularized by Stephen Buhner for use in addressing Lyme disease. But Japanese knotweed has a lot of benefits, including the flowers, which are antiviral and a great respiratory support. So primarily, we're talking about the flowers for some of those symptoms. But for more severe illnesses, the root can also be really great. It is antiviral. It is an immune modulator. It is a relaxing nervine, antioxidant, astringent, and it helps to increase the white blood cell count in the body. And it historically has been used to treat RSV and pneumonia. Number four is cat's claw. Cat's claw is, and this is the root, uh, excuse me, the bark, the bark that we use. It is anti-inflammatory. It is an immune stimulant. It is vulnerary. It heals wounds, including in the lungs. It is antiviral. It is a relaxing nervine and a tonic. It does support those with low immune function. You know, many of the herbs that we promote for use with respiratory conditions may not be appropriate for those who have autoimmune conditions because it can stimulate a cytokine storm, what they say. It's like where it's like an overreaction of the immune system. Cat's claw doesn't do that. It's actually very safe for people who have low immune function and it can it can increase the white blood cell count and it can be useful in any in any situation where an illness would really just drag down the immune system it reduces spasms of the diaphragm and numerous symptoms of colds and has been treated used to treat pneumonia number 5 is tulsi i did include this in my uh my episode on sleep i believe Tulsi is relaxing, it is strengthening to the nerves, it does help with viral infection symptoms, it makes sleep easier, Um, it is an expectorant, antioxidant, immunomodulatory, anti-inflammatory, it moves mucus that's stuck in the lungs, it increases energy, it has been used to treat asthma, basically whatever you got, Tulsi is going to help with it. Okay, then we have number six as oregano. Oregano is a really strong antibacterial, also antiviral. Uh, It is great at decongesting the lungs. It's an antioxidant, stimulant, and inflammatory. It fits all the categories. It helps to clear out the lungs of congested phlegm and not only clears out the mucus, but it also reduces muscle tension. So both of those will impact how easy it is to breathe. And it has been historically used to treat whooping cough and asthma. Number seven is comfrey. And this one would be a little bit more... Um, some people would feel uncomfortable using comfrey because of the stigma around it following some questionable study practices uh, or methods, which suggested that high doses of concentrated uh, select comfrey phytochemicals can cause problems. Um, but if you're taking the whole plant from an older batch of you know, an older plant stand, and you're using this for acute illnesses or injuries, it can make a tremendous difference in your recovery. Comfrey is a wonderful, vulnerary plant. It's very healing to damaged tissue, including the lungs. And it is an astringent, it's an expectorant. it's anti-inflammatory. It reduces irritated coughing because of asthma. It reduces lung inflammation and it soothes the lung tissue uh, of those affected by bronchitis. So just because of its history, don't cross it off your list of useful tools. I like to keep it on hand. And it was actually one of my very first plants that I started working with highly recommend. Number eight is whorehound. Whorehound originally was used for treating coughs and it was one of the herbs that was put into lozenges or cough drops for that purpose. It is a stimulating expectorant which it means that when you cough you're actually getting crap up. The coughs are not just there to irritate you. They're serving a purpose. And yet, for those who are overstimulated by coughs, it can be a cough suppressant, hence why it was put in the lozenges. So it's more of a modulator of coughs. It helps the coughs that you do have to be productive, but not overabundant. It's an antispasmodic. It is also vulnerary. It's a lung tonic. So it eases breathing, it moistens hardened mucus, and that's how it makes the coughs more productive. So it loosens up the junk so that those, that hardened phlegm is not just irritating your lungs. And it has been used to support those with whooping cough, pneumonia, asthma, and bronchitis. Wild cherry bark is another pretty common one for reducing spasms and irritated coughs. Uh, it is anti-inflammatory, astringent, expectorant, and toning to the lungs. It opens up the bronchioles. It suits the spasms, reduces swelling, releases tightness both in the chest and the throat, and has been used to support those with whooping cough, bronchitis, and asthma. Number 10 is colt's foot. Colt's foot is um, in the same family as comfrey. So my one recommendation on safety for Coltsfoot is don't combine it with either comfrey or bone sets which are all in the same family and share simil- similar chemical traits. So while colts foot is generally, it's funny, Coltsfoot foot is recommended more often than comfrey is but they're literally from the same family and have very similar properties. Um, so Colt's foot is a lung tonic as well. It is astringent. It's anti-inflammatory. It can be either a relaxing or stimulating expectorant, depending on what your body needs. It's antispasmodic, antioxidant, and vulnerary, just like the comfrey is. It calms irritated or spasmodic coughs, breaks up and clears mucus from the lungs and sinuses, reduces cold and flu symptoms, including throat inflammation, eases coughs that are caused by damaged lungs, and it's supportive to those with asthma or bronchitis, and also it's a good source of zinc. Number 11 is plantain. Plantain is um, not the fruit that you buy at the grocery store. It is the weed that grows in your front yard. Uh, It's one that pops up in dry, poor soil, often in walkways or on edges of roads, playgrounds. It's one that I grew up uh, playing with because it has those very interesting stalks with the seed heads on top. So you'd run your finger along the stalk and pop off all of the seeds. Uh, And they make great little pretend soups too when you're a kid. So plantain has lots of useful properties for those who are ill and including the fact, not least of which, is that it is anti-infective. It's an expectorant. It's a demulsant to the respiratory system. It's astringent and vulnerary. It calms coughs, including in bronchitis. It soothes a sore throat. And when there is too much fluid in the bottom of the lungs, it can help the lungs to lift it up and out of the body more effectively. Number 12 is fennel. And this is not necessarily a fennel bulb like you would buy at the grocery store, but it can be dried fennel seed. Dried fennel seed is demulcent, antispasmodic, and expectorant. It breaks up and eliminates phlegm, re- reduces muscle tension, reduces symptoms of cold and flu, and it's helpful to those with whooping cough. Plus, it tastes good. It's sweet. um, Similar to licorice, and in fact, the two can be uh, mistaken for each other. And so this one is an herb that kids will often accept pretty easily. Number 13 is mullen. Mullen is an expectorant. It is demulsant to the lungs, vulner- vulnerary, astringent, antispasmodic, anti-inflammatory to the lungs and sinuses. And I love working with mullen for damaged lung tissue. If you've ever heard of milk thistle being used to regenerate the liver, that's the equivalent of mullein in the lungs. So if you've been exposed to mold in the past, or you're a smoker or used to smoke, if you've had previous lung infections that have been kind of kicking around and smoldering, then mullein is going to be probably a good fit for you. It helps to relieve deep coughs, dry coughs. It opens the airways It helps to clear pooled moisture deep in the lungs due to hardened lung tissue, similar to plantain, allowing for deeper breaths. And it has been used to support those with pneumonia, emphysema, bronchitis, and COPD. And then we have number 14 as lobelia. Now lobelia has a lot of wonderful properties to it and also a little caveat. So let's start with the benefits. Lobelia is an expectant, antispasmodic, anti-inflammatory, and it's a counter-irritant, meaning that it relaxes what needs to be relaxed and tenses what needs to be tensed by providing irritation that sort of makes the body pause and say, what's going on here? It is especially helpful at stopping spasming muscles, including the diaphragm. And I found that it also can be helpful in relaxing those who are stuck in fight or flight, which is a similar tissue st- or produces a similar tissue state. Now, the caveat is that large doses of Lobelia can cause you to be very nauseous. Um, it can induce a vomiting. So you really only want to work with tiny doses. Now I tend to recommend small doses of herbs anyway. I like to use um, micro doses or what Matthew would call or what Matthew would followers call wood doses. Uh, But when you're working with Lobelia, you really do want to take small doses. So really we're talking five to ten drops maybe. You can actually take much less than that. And for a child, you would take less than that. Um, you can take up to like a dropper, maybe more before you start getting queasy. Uh, but just use caution around that. So, uh, I personally have seen that work well recently. Again, I, I mentioned, um, that my husband has an allergy to cedar. And recently he was exposed and for a few days his lungs were bothering him and you could hear it in his breath where he had to pause to before he said something. And uh, so I had him try Lobelia. And I noticed a difference because within like a half an hour, he was talking and he wasn't pausing to breathe in between his sentences. And so he started using that, and he recovered pretty quickly from this flare. Uh, I learned about Lobelia from reading old herbalist texts, but also from hearing um, from Sevensong, he was an herbalist in New York, uh, Ithaca, New York. He has a, a clinic he's involved in out there, but he's also participated in some um, emergency response teams, herbal response teams, for protests that have happened in various places and you will go out into the streets and support people who are experiencing, um, you know, different minor injuries or uh, asthma, um, anxiety and panic attacks are actually right at the top of some of the things that they're treating. Um, But asthma is pretty common and they will use lobelia to stop asthma attacks. So uh, I definitely like to have that one in my cupboard. And then finally, we have, I'm going to put two things together because they have the same chemical property. It's coffee and black tea. You might be thinking, wait a second, are we talking about herbs, right? What is coffee? It's a plant, right? Black tea, you know, it might seem pretty straightforward and simple if I it at the grocery store, right? But coffee and black tea, while they may be known for other things, they contain a chemical called theophylline to see if I can pronounce it correctly, theophylline is a bronchodilator. It opens the airways, and it actually can be very effective at stopping an asthma attack. Now, I think that's also useful for people who are experiencing a severe respiratory infection who are having a bit of a struggle breathing. Again, remember that this is not medical advice, but if it's in the middle of the night, and you're looking for an alternative to going to the emergency room, try it and see if it works. If it works, great. If it doesn't, go to the emergency room. Um, my child who I had said had bronchitis when he was two and developed asthma, there was one um, particularly difficult winter where when he would get sick, his breathing was absolutely horrendous and he would be half asleep on the couch gasping for breath trying to get through the night, and I remembered this um, story that I had been told about the school that I was involved in where um, there was coffee kept on hand for kids who had asthma and didn't have inhalers, and because the caffeine, yes, would be helpful, but the theophylline in the coffee was also helpful in opening up the airways, and so I tried it with my son, and it worked. We gave him a can of um, I think it I think it was a can of Starbucks coffee, or that might have been the backup. We gave him a cup of coffee, anyways. 15 minutes later, he's out like a light. He it didn't keep him up, it didn't wake him up. It actually opened up his airways enough that finally he was able to rest and he fell right to sleep and slept through the night. It made a huge difference. So believe it or not. Having coffee is not necessarily a bad thing if you're needing some help with your breathing. Now, I do have a few recipes that I would like to recommend. Um, One of them is pretty simple. In a uh, pint-sized jar, you're going to put the following herbs, top it off with near boiling water, close the jar and let it sit for half an hour to infuse. And it's going to contain three teaspoons of Tulsi leaf, two teaspoons of echinacea flower and leaf, and one teaspoon of whorehound leaf. Now, all of these recipes are also going to be written out in the student outline for herbal Remedium students. But if you are listening to this on the podcast, I encourage you to write these down and save these in your protocols so that when you experience, if you experience an illness where this would come in handy, you don't have to go digging for a podcast episode you've just got your binder or your journal or your recipe cards with your notes all written out. Now, tea recipe number two, for this one you have a combination of roots and leaves. So you're going to simmer the roots first in five cups of water in a saucepan for 20 minutes. And then you're going to pour all of that, including the roots over the remaining ingredients in a quart sized jar and close it and let it steep for at least half an hour. So the roots are going to be two teaspoons of ginger, and two teaspoons of turmeric. And then in the jar, you're gonna put four teaspoons of peppermint leaf and four teaspoons of mullein leaf. Recipe number three is one that I created during the COVID uh, epidemic during the beginning of that. And I chose the herbs specifically because some of them help with detox processes and keeping digestion moving. Some of them help with respiratory function. Some of them are strongly antiviral. Um, And so this combination is one that I used for my family, and it seemed to work pretty well. So I keep this recipe on hand. Uh, Again, in a pine-sized jar, you're going to infuse these herbs with near-boiling water for half an hour. It includes two tablespoons of echinacea flower and leaf two tablespoons of rose hips, two tablespoons of helichrysum flower, four teaspoons of yellow dock root, four teaspoons of fenugreek seed, two teaspoons of wild cherry bark, and two teaspoons of yarrow flower and leaf. I'm going to take that back and say use a quart jar, okay? (laughs) All right, quart size jar with all of those ingredients. Number four, all right, and then you'll infuse these I'm looking at the recipe. This is a pint-sized jar, you guys, okay? Near boiling water in a pint-sized jar closed for half an hour. A tablespoon of mullen leaf, two teaspoons of chamomile flour and leaf, and a teaspoon of thyme leaf. I also have an essential oil blend. And this recipe is for a one-time use for massage of the back, so, um, or the chest. And if you want to have a larger amount, you can. Um, You just want to use a glass jar um, that is covered so that the oils don't evaporate. And you want to keep this out of the light and use it probably within a few days. So to one tablespoon of either olive or mustard oil, you will add two drops of lavender and one drop each of eucalyptus and peppermint. So watching someone go through a severe respiratory infection or experiencing it yourself, can be really scary. Um, It can be especially uh, disorienting. It It can make you feel helpless when you have to watch them struggle to breathe or to cough when they're coughing without reprieve, to hold their chest in pain. And you're trying to reassure them that they're gonna be okay while you're waiting to hear from the doctor but it can make it so much easier to know that there are herbs and nutritional supplements that you can work with to make their experience much easier and they recovery faster and to have those herbs on hand. So I highly recommend, if you think that someone in your family is likely to experience a more difficult aversion of a common cold, then preparing tinctures ahead of time, tea blends, infused oils ahead of time, will enable you to relax a little bit and not have to worry quite so much about what to do the next time a virus comes along. You're going to know that you have the resources on hand to support you and your loved ones, whatever happens. If you would like to learn more about strengthening lungs in order to prevent severe infections, I encourage you to listen to the episode I created way back at the beginning of the podcast called Rebuilding Your Lungs. This is also linked in the student outline. And if you would like support creating a custom wellness plan to work on general lung health or preparing for viruses, you can visit my website to learn more about one-on-one consultations. My website link is in the show notes and it is LLC.com. I do hope the information in this episode has blessed you. And as always, I encourage you to share it with a loved one. Consider leaving a review on your podcast app and stay tuned. Next week, we'll be talking about all those pesky bacterial infections that can sometimes tag along behind these common viruses. Have a good week, everyone. The Family Herbalism Podcast is created for educational purposes only. You are responsible for any and all medical and health decisions you choose to make. If you experience a medical emergency, please contact appropriate medical providers. To receive Herbalist support, please visit www.laureltreewellnessllc.com. If you enjoy this podcast and find it helpful, please share it with your friends and family. Thank you for listening.